Hey y'all, welcome back to Real Relatable. I'm your host, Donna Green. Have you or a loved one ever worried about passing on an autoimmune disease or a chronic illness to your unborn child? Hear it directly from someone who is a true sickle cell warrior and father of two. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Phil Okwo. Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Donna. I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate you having me and I'm excited for our chat today. Yeah, I am too. I'm I'm glad that you had some time and um, were able to carve out some time to chat with me. Um, I thought this would be an interesting conversation after so many that we have had on Clubhouse over the last several months. Um, as I listen in on you and other sickle cell warriors chatting about your experiences throughout your lives and how now sickle cell advocacy is such a big part of it, I've always left those discussions in awe and with a bit more knowledge, but also curiosity of sickle cell, um, especially as a parent. And so I wanted to have you on to kind of chat with you and, and pick your brain a bit about how that is for you um, and what that process was like to decide to have children, um, you know, a few years ago. And so with your parents, though, let's start there. Like, tell me a bit about like your fam- family dynamic. Sure. Um, both my mom and dad um, are, were born and raised in Nigeria and um, they got married in the UK in the early 80s. Um, and shortly after they got married, I was born. And so my dad was a doctor. He was doing residency out there. And um, and and so I it was kind of a surprise. I don't think although my dad was in, you know, the, the health field, medical field, um, there perhaps should have been more awareness at that time about genotypes and, and, and such, but it definitely wasn't as, um, as institutionalized um, as it is now, particularly here in the U.S. where we have newborn screening and there's genetic counseling and things like that. So I was their first child and a bit of a surprise that they, um, you know, that I had sickle cell, but of the three siblings, uh, the three of us, my two, me and my two other siblings, I'm the only one with six L. And so there was some awareness after my birth that they could have a child with sickle cell, but um, fortunately um, that didn't recur with my two younger siblings. And um, yeah, so the, I don't think the conversations at that time were as robust as uh, the ones we may have today mm-hmm. and um, that are ongoing in, in clinical spaces. And, um, you know, as the more we have discussions like this, the more awareness, whether it's in clubhouse rooms or elsewhere, um, the more I think people can make really informed decisions about what it entails and what how one should potentially prepare themselves. Yeah. That's, it's interesting because, so your parents hadn't talked about it, although your dad's in the healthcare space, but what about extended family, like maybe grandparents or like cousins, aunts, like, was that in any, was it in their purview at all to maybe even consider it considering your, your lineage? Yeah, it's hard to know. So my, so even though my dad was in healthcare, my mom wasn't totally literate. Her dad was actually the first, uh, one of the first West African radiologists. So there was oh. certainly some literacy there. I believe in my, my, one of my dad's older siblings um, had sickle cell, um, he ended up passing away when he was early, but I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure on whether it was sickle cell that he passed from. And mm-hmm. so there, there perhaps should have been some awareness. I know there were also cousins on both my mom and dad's side who have sickle cell. So um, the more I think about it though, the more I believe that those cousins on both sides are younger than I am. So they may not have had the benefit of 
of, of you know, knowing from their siblings' kids um, that sickle cell was something to be, um, you know, to have a conversation about. So, um, so yeah, so in theory, they, they at least had access to the kind of information where they, mm-hmm. they could have known. But, uh, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't fully pressed them on that. So I don't want to speak. Yeah. No, that's fair. Anybody should have known at that time, it would have been them. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And so when you, you know, maybe growing up, was that something that you ever envisioned for yourself was to have children or was that like a a thought of like, you know, kid Phil or baby Phil's future? I'm going to have my own kids and family one day. I always wanted kids. Um, yeah. That was, it was, you know, I don't know, kid Phil, baby Phil. I'm not clear. It's not clear to me at what time, at what point in my timeline that was um, a desire. But I, I think I've always had a sense of um, just, I've always had, you know, it's just big extended family. Um, I had fun with siblings and cousins who were like siblings. And I just always look forward to kind of all the fun that I would have with my own kids yeah. and the things that I would teach them and that my, my folks taught me. And, um, and yeah, and, and I never for a moment, although it was hard because in, in the eighties, when I was born, you know, the life expectancy for sickle cell was not necessarily one where you, people, the consensus or the, the prognosis, I guess, is probably the better word, was that I would live through adolescence, much less into adulthood. So it wasn't mm-hmm. by any chance a foregone conclusion, but I attribute to just the the, the amazing um, background and, and family um, dynamic that um, I was fortunate enough to have been born into that I always wanted that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, as I continued to, to, to grow and life expectancy changes and there are some bucking of the odds and, you know, it becomes a very real possibility. And, um, I'm, I'm really stoked, um, you know, to be a proud dad of both a young son and daughter yeah. and, um, you know, maybe there's more on the cards, who knows, but if not, you know, it certainly, <laughs> it certainly feels complete Yeah. and, uh, but it is definitely work. Well, and that's, it's incredible because, you know, if, if the prognosis was that you might not make it to adolescent and adolescence, and you just celebrated your 40th birthday, not too long ago. And so, you know, I love that for you. And, and I'm just glad to (laughs) have that opportunity to be able to chat with you about this and kind of see that journey, um, and learn a bit more, you know, about you as well. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, 40 is kind of a big deal um, in sickle cell years, I guess, if there's such a thing. And I will say that having kids certainly gives you all the motivation and everything, um, you know, the desire, the the will to, to, to push through and to continue to push those odds, you know, because now I'm at the point where it's a weird thing having a condition like sickle cell and to grow up in a time where they, you know, what was expected for you was so limited because Mm -hmm. now I'm at a point where more than double that. And I'm, you know, I'm constantly perhaps always at a point of outrunning this looming expiration date. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it gives a whole new meaning, you know, 
midlife crisis. It's like, what's that? I'm at, you know, I'm at like, you know, I'm a double and triple overtime. I'm starting to feel like a cat with multiple lives here. But, (laughs) but I'm also feeling, you know, because my son is six, my daughter is three, you know, I can't wait. I've got, you know, I've got graduations to be at. I've got aisle to walk my daughter down. I got grandbabies to kiss and I intend to be here for all of it. So, um, you know, prognoses and statistics be damned. Mm-hmm. The kids for me have definitely been a blessing, although they are in deep work and they, they give you the, they give me the motivation to do everything that I can to, um, to extend that, that life expectancy, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm here for all of it. Good. And how old, um, who's older, your son or your daughter? My son. Your son. Okay. Yeah. He just turned six. Okay. And, uh, when you and your like wife at the time decided to have children, was that a conversation that you all, um, had before conceiving, I guess, assuming it was planned. We did. Yeah. They were planned. Um, we had the conversation, um, around the time we were planning the wedding and, um, I was starting business school shortly after, after about three months, two months after we got married and uh, we were, there was a bit of a, there was a bit of daylight between us in terms of when we wanted to conceive. She wanted to have uh, kids right away. And I thought it might be best to wait until business school, but Mm -hmm. um, our son was born right smack dab in between year one and year two of my master's program. So we split the difference. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And was that a conversation um, from your wife at the time? Was that anything that y'all were like worried about or tell me about maybe what that decision process was like um as it relates to maybe passing on sickle cell to your kids because as I understand it's there's about a 50 percent chance if a parent has sickle cell that that's passed on to kids is that right so, that, so that's correct. It depends on um, how, what the, the, the genotype of the two parents is. And so me being someone with sickle cell, the concern and something we found out pretty early on was whether or not what my wife's status was, um, my wife at the time's status was in terms of her genotype. And so we found out, she knew even before we met that uh, um, her, her status was AA. Um, meaning um, the allele that that um, that controls the hemoglobin that on you know on which sickle cell allele exists, she had a normal. She had the dominant type, so mm-hmm. um, there was no chance for her to um, have to give the recessive allele. I could mm-hmm. only give the recessive allele, and so therefore all of our kids um, would, would be carriers. Now, had she been a carrier herself, had she had the trait. Uh, then there would be uh, probably a 50%, yeah, 50% possibility that one of our children would have sickle cell. But because we, we had that awareness of her genotype prior to, and we subsequently confirmed it um, before conceiving, um, we knew that we would not have um, children with sickle cell. Now, there's a caveat to this, though, because um, what, I, what I'm, I'm repeatedly trying to make clear to folks um, in some of the mentoring and community health work and patient advocacy is that you're not out of the woods just because you have a partner who doesn't have the sickle cell trait. Mm. In other words, there are a whole host of other hemoglobinopathies, different um, alleles or genes to look for that could in combination 
still lead you to have sickle cell disease. And so in my case, I don't have the tradition, what's uh, what the, the general, when, when we think in terms of genetic counseling and Punnett squares that we do, um, um, there's, there's a case of a person with sickle cell anemia having the two recessive alleles. I, without trying to get too wonky, I don't have that traditional type of sickle cell. Mm. I have what's called sickle beta zero thalassemia, which is to say that I receive one of a sickle cell allele from one of my parents and a beta thalassemia allele from another one of my parents. So there could have potentially been a false sense of security with, mm. um, with, you know, my children's mom, um, not having the sickle cell allele. She could have had a D or a C or a beta thalassemia or other, and those might not have come up in the electrophoresis testing um, where we initially were looking for that. And so it's often possible still to end up having a child with sickle cell, even if the the sickle gene that you look for is not found in one of the the parties. So it's- Interesting. Yeah. It's it's almost hidden, maybe not hidden, but kind of? Yeah, I, so the the F allele is a very interesting one because it's typically thought of as a recessive gene, but in many ways it acts like a dominant gene. So in this case, if you pair S the S hemoglobinopathy allele with any other type, you still yield a, a sickle cell condition. Hmm. And so in that sense, it kind of almost acts like the A, like the dominant, whereby if you pair the dominant with any other type, you'll get the trait. But if you pair the S specifically with one of these other type of hemoglobinopathies, you will still get what is considered a sickle cell condition. So um, luckily, um, both of my kids have the trait um, and neither one has a sickle cell condition, but it is, um, it's something that I, I, I try to make known to other young adults with sickle cell as we're starting into family planning and reproductive health. Um, I recently joined the board of a great organization, Sickle Cell Reproductive um, Health Education Directive. And these are one of the things that we're trying to um, help develop as a, as a kind of lifetime reproductive um, education program, because these are things that, you know, there's a newborn screening protocol, which happens for everyone in the United States at birth, it's hit and miss in terms of um, how well it's communicated, but I think they're uh, one of the aims of directives of this organization is to to get that that screening and that counseling happening again, as those of us with sickle cell and potentially their significant others start to enter adulthood and thinking about family planning. And so, so that's something that your kids might have to look into. It sounds like because you said they have the they have a trait, but they don't have the gene. Wait, that's not right. No, you got it. You nailed it. Oh, um, okay. They, so they, they have the trait, but they don't have the gene. Correct. So they're both okay. they're both carriers of, but they do not have the uh, the the recessive version that would give them the symptoms. Mm. Mm, um, and okay. so so they both themselves, you know, those grandbabies I was talking about, being wanting to be around to kiss. It's possible that either one of them could themselves have a child with sickle mm. cell, depending on the genotype of who they would partner with. And okay. so that makes the work that I do in the patient advocacy um, space, the community health space, that much more um, imperative, right? Because it's something that, fortunately, my kids themselves will never have to live with directly, but they need to have the awareness too, because it's always possible that they could. And that's a challenge um, um, in the sickle cell community, whereas those who are carriers of the condition in the newborn screening protocol that exists, 
they get made aware that they have the trait, but there isn't necessarily this connection of the dots and what mm-hmm. it may mean to you as an adult. And when you start planning your family 18 plus or so years later, what that could mean for you. And so there's almost this, this, um, this failure of knowledge transfer. So oftentimes young parents are learning about sickle cell from scratch when they find out they have a child with sickle cell, even though they were mm-hmm. carriers all along that awareness is, is, is missed. And so this is, this is all the more reason why I was just really excited to have this conversation. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Because, you know, a lot of our audience here are parents as well. And, um, you know, we've had my dad on the podcast, but it's, you know, it's, it's nice to get like a more millennial, um, generation father on here and, um, be able to really relate to, probably more people than we think, um, whether they know someone or them, they themselves, um, are, you know, in the same sort of situation, um, and might be thinking about their own family planning and, and give them some resources, just like you mentioned, was it the sickle cell reproductive health education screening? Was it? Yeah. So, so SC red, we call it for short, uh, it's the sickle cell reproductive health education directive and, uh, the founder, a, a young warrior by the name of Tiana Wolford is, uh, she's just amazing. This, the, what she's been able to accomplish so far in this young organization that she's only really formally founded just this year has been amazing. And, um, she's, she's much younger than I am, but I want to be like her when I grow up, uh, but she's doing <laughs> a, little, a lot of great work and, um, I would be remiss if I didn't shout her out in this conversation. Oh, that's awesome. And so it sounds like all of the um, testing is done after the babies are born. There's no testing done in the womb necessarily, or maybe that could be dangerous. Yeah. So typically the newborn screening takes place um, um, either at the time that the the child is born. um, And then there, in theory, there could be some of that happening if there's either some IVF or something like that at play. Oh, mm-hmm. There may be some profiling of that. Um, but generally speaking, the points where that testing happens is going to be either when one of the parents potentially tests for that, maybe as part of a, of a genetic counseling um, appointment with their, with their partner, uh, or at the time of birth in a newborn screening. Um, is when that happens. But you can see the problem there is that, you know, <laughs> a screening that may have happened when you were born, you know, your parents don't remember it and you you weren't cognizant of it. So, right. um, you know, so there is certainly an opportunity and um, for, for, um, for the dialogue to continue and or be refreshed in people's minds once it comes time to child rearing age. It, out of sight, out of mind is what it sounds like happens after, Absolutely. you know, babies are born and you kind of move on because you're focusing on all of the newborn kind of things that comes with having children, which is a lot. It's a lot. It is. Yeah, it is absolutely a lot. I know you have your own podcast, right? Um, that dives into sickle cell more. Tell us about that podcast. Yes. So I'm a contributor to Blood Brothers podcast. Um, amazing group of guys. Um, most are based in Houston, but some of us are, are in other geographic locations. And um, we're just a lot of uh, adult men who, uh, you know, are fortunately living well with sickle cell. And we're just sharing our experience um, for the generation behind us and um, hopefully providing an example for folks that, um, you know, this condition is not necessarily a, uh, a death sentence as mm-hmm. it uh, has often and maybe historically been perceived um, and that you can have a very full life. You can have a great, um, you know, you can have 
amazing, beautiful um, children. You can have a great career and you can manage your health pretty well. And so, you know, as I celebrated this milestone at 40, I'm, I'm always just just grateful to even be here but i also like to brag a little bit that my you know, i like to say my health is might be better than some of the some of my peers who might who are my age and don't have sickle cell because right. this condition um maybe the the adversity in uh, the advantage in my adversity or the silver the silver lining to the cloud of sickle cell is that it makes me have to be much more uh deliberately intentional about my health um right. you know i have a very great relationship with my doctors who i see very regularly and it makes me be a lot more proactive right so that um i can manage um manage it keep it in check so that i it doesn't get in the way at all of my being able to parent um my two little ones and um so yeah so yes blood brothers podcast um check it out we're actually recording middle of recording season two so we got some great content and some great discussions um in pipeline i'm excited to share those with folks maybe we'll um link to it somewhere somehow (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, we'll certainly be able to share a link here. And so um, for those who are interested, can, you know, learn a bit more and hear more dialogue with, um, because I mean, y'all relate to each other in that way and being able to uh, share your stories and and to have like community um, in the Sokol Cell world. So I, I love that. And um, we'll be sure to provide some more information for people to be able to find you there. Um, and it sounds like the organization that we can support is SC Red. Um, I'll put that as well. Um, and then notes. And so um, people can check that out. Phil, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Um, I, I, I say that like, it's a, like, it's a thing. I just got on there, buddy. Here we go. But uh, you, can <laughs> you find- did like right <laughs> when you got onto clubhouse. <laughs> just before getting out to clubhouse, you can find me at SCD, um, SCD as in sickle cell disease warrior, um, warrior one. So SCD Warrior One at uh, Instagram, and then uh, you know, just Phil Oguo on uh, on Facebook. Maybe one day I'll get back on Twitter. Who knows? I don't have a Snapchat yet, um, but. If I do, we'll send them your way and you can link to them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't even have a Snapchat. I think I might be too old for that. And if I'm too old, you might be too old too. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just Thank kidding. For, uh... I don't know the age limits for it. I just never got into it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I really appreciate being able to pick your brain for a bit, Phil, and, and you carving out the time to chat with us here. Um, it truly like, I'm, I'm super grateful. Absolutely. Anytime. Listen, and if you want to do a deeper dive, I'm happy to do that too. There's so many dimensions to, to this, uh, to this thing. And, uh, you know, I'm of the belief now, you know, it's interesting because when, um, in the sickle cell community recently, I, I would say on some of the social media platforms, there was kind of this discussion about whether or not, um, one, a parent, whether they're with the trait or the sickle cell disease themselves, um, is considering having a child. Is that something that they should consider or is, mm-hmm. is it should it be totally out of out of the picture altogether and um you know it's a very polarizing uh, topic for our yeah. community and i will say i do i i happen to fall on the side which is somewhat controversial of of um uh you know i'm although it was definitely a factor in choosing um you know uh, a 
a significant other that, you know, who was the mother of my kids that didn't have sickle cell as part of her genotype um, mm-hmm. as a trait or carrier or anything like that. I definitely recognize that there is a benefit to living here in the West, maybe, maybe whether that be the US or the UK. Um, I think that the outlook is definitely um, much more of, um, there's a much greater likelihood of being able to live into adulthood than there may be in other parts of the world, mm. namely like um, like West Africa, where my family's from, Nigeria. And so if you live in a place where you have access to the types of resources, um, you don't need to really fear unnecessarily having a child with sickle cell. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the best thing you could do as a potential parent is, 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 is setting, connecting that child with the right resources and with the right tribe to... Um, you know, a community of folks to help them um, find solidarity, to deal with some of the stigmas, some of the psychosocial issues, and um, and finding the resources. And and I think now is a more promising, more promising time than than ever in my life, in terms of the availability of treatments um, that are on, on the horizon and in the pipeline. And I think that um, these are all reasons to be encouraged um, should any any young parent find themselves with a child with sickle cell. Absolutely. Don't live in the fear of just kind of be more prepared and, and know where your advocates are and, and what your resources are. And that'll help you get through basically. Absolutely. Perfect. Thanks again, Phil. It was great to see you um, and chat with you. And we'll look forward to doing this again soon. Looking forward to it, Donna. Thanks again for having me. Thanks.